Welcome to the Inclusive Growth Show with Toby Milden. Future-proofing your business by creating a diverse workplace. Hey there, thank you ever so much for tuning into this episode of the Inclusive Growth Show. I'm Toby Milden and today I'm joined by Helen Maguire. Now, um, I first came across Helen because Helen founded and runs a really cool company called Diversely, which is a platform to help identify and remove bias from um, sourcing talent and then giving you the data to be able to help you measure or monitor what progress you're making on diversity and inclusion in your organization. And the reason why I wanted to have a chat with Helen today was because in my book, one of the chapters, I, which is about cyber, I talk about how technology can help organizations deliver on diversity and inclusion because there's all sorts of interesting applications out there now. And um, Diversely is, is one of those interesting applications. So it's really great that I can just spend a few minutes chatting with Helen today and talking about her product. So um, Helen, thank you for joining me. It's great to, great to have you on the show. Thank you, Toby. Really appreciate the lovely introduction. And that is fascinating to hear that, um, that there's a chapter about cyber in your book, which, um, yeah, I have to admit, I've not yet read, but um, I can see it on the shelf just behind you. So I'm going to grab a copy once we're, uh, once we're finished with this. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Yeah. So, um, I mean, in the chapter, I, I, I suppose the, the main point that I make is that, you know, that there are technologies out there that can help organizations deliver on diversity and inclusion at scale. And organizations really need to kind of understand what is available to them and what will help them. Because at the end of the day, using technologies like yours, diversely, helps them make a bigger impact. And I think as diversity and inclusion practitioners or people running HR departments, that's ultimately what we what we want to make on the people agenda. So before we get into what your technology does and how it helps businesses. Can you just let us know a bit more about yourself, like who you are, your background, and I suppose what 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 led you to to creating diversely? Yeah, absolutely. And and you touched on a really important point there, I think, around scalability. And that's exactly um, why diversely came to be. So as you very kindly said, uh, my name's Helen McGuire. I'm the CEO of of Diversely. Um, prior to this, I, I worked in communications actually in London at the BBC for about 10 years and then moved into advertising in the Middle East. And it was around that time that I had my first child, um, so end of 2014. And it quickly dawned on me that opportunities uh, had started to narrow considerably, not just for me, but you know, for, for colleagues and friends and other uh, women that I'd met at the time um, in the Middle East who were, were having children. And, you know, I, I came across a group of women who unfortunately were unable to find work despite their, you know, incredible career backgrounds, to be honest. You know, they were previously heads of department um, or ran their own businesses or had, had taken on very senior opportunities in their home countries, but couldn't find similar opportunities in the Middle East, which led me to set up um, the first women's careers platform in the Middle East and then expand that over to Asia in 2018, which was called Hopscotch. And I ran that for about four and a half years um, and I had two more children in the meantime. And eventually just became really frustrated with exactly that problem of it just not being scalable. You know, we grew to a 
probably a, a group of around 20,000 women globally. We work with clients like Facebook and Nestle and HSBC and so on. But we were only really scratching the surface. And we were obviously also only really helping women. Um, and it just felt too small. You know, the problem is so much bigger than that and, and is on a global basis. So uh, Hopscotch, um, to cut a very long story short, dovetailed into Diversely, which is a very, very different way of tackling the problem because it is a, a tech solution. It's it's a platform um, that involves data analytics and, and hiring tools, but it essentially achieves or tries to achieve the same outcome, which is, you know, better opportunity for everybody, regardless of what color you are, what school you went to, um, whether you're able-bodied or not, whether you're male or female, et cetera, et cetera. So as you said at the beginning, kind of taking bias out of that initial sourcing process really yeah it's because the way I look at it it's like your talent sourcing process is a bit like a funnel yeah you've got obviously lots of people going in at the top of the funnel a few make it to the bottom where job offers are made and I remember when I was working at the BBC in technology and I was looking at gender imbalance and we were trying to get more women working in our design and engineering department when we looked at the data if a woman got to job interview stage she had an equal chance of being offered a job to a man but when we tracked the data back we just weren't having enough women applying in the first place and that led us to look at things like our employer brand for example and how attractive we were as an employer um, particularly within the technology space competing with the likes of Amazon and Facebook and Google yeah. for engineers and such like. So I suppose, how, how does Diversely, the platform, work? Because obviously you're, you're focusing on the kind of the beginning of that funnel, aren't you, the talent attraction and sourcing stage. That story that, that you tell um, makes absolute sense and it is exactly where we begin. Um, so number one, we help businesses to understand where the gaps are. So let's say you're you're working in technology, it's quite likely that you're struggling to attract people of colour, for example, um, or certainly people from from particular ethnic backgrounds. You're almost definitely struggling to attract women historically. And so we help businesses to understand where their gaps are essentially, both across things like qualitative elements. So, you know, that, that does track back to employer branding, what are your policies and practices? How are you putting those across? What's your accessibility like um, for, for different people? What is the language like that you use, let's say, in your job advert? So looking at those types of things and helping you to get that element um, kind of understood. And then secondly, across data. So what, you know, where are you in terms of percentages on ethnic and and racial um, divisions. Where are you in terms of gender? Where are you in terms of um, able-bodied and non-able-bodied? Um, even things like age and sexual orientation. What do those look like for you? And where should you be? You know, on a geographical and industry basis, it's going to look really, really different depending on where you are within the country, let alone within the world. Um, and what is a good benchmark? for you and for your industry. So getting that data reflected onto a dashboard that helps everybody understand it, that helps make sense of the full picture, if you like. 
Once we've done that, we then move into elements of helping you to source more diverse talent. So how are you attracting that talent? What's the language and the structure of your job ads like? Um, and this all happens within about five seconds, by the way. It, it's a it's a tool that we've built that's completely automated. Where are you looking for that talent? Crucially as well, you know, are you just posting out to LinkedIn? Are you just posting out to the big job board? Are you relying on your own personal networks? In which case your funnel, that, that top of funnel, as you mentioned, is actually pretty narrow. Uh, there are many yeah. other places you can start to look for talent. And then finally, how are you deciding who's making that shortlist? You know, is there bias creeping in at that point? And I would say 100% of the time there usually is if you're relying on people, because it doesn't matter, you know, who you are or what your background is. There's always an element of unconscious or conscious bias in there. Everybody has it. Yeah. I definitely have it, despite kind of knowing a bit about this, this topic. Uh, so there's various different stages that you can go through within the platform basically to help you find more diverse talent, to understand whether you're getting to your hiring goals um, and being more inclusive about the whole process. I like what you've just said because technology really is the key to this because when I was working at the BBC, um, I piloted some software to remove bias from the um, recruitment process. It was the, the first stage of the recruitment process, actually, in terms of CV screening. And... Um, we had a 130% increase in people from an ethnic minority background being selected for interview compared to the conventional way of, of screening. And that was even we had put our recruiters through unconscious bias training. <laughs> so that goes to show that actually, you know, a, I suppose, like a systemic process intervention that the technology that we basically plugged into the process had a much more profound impact yeah. you know on the on the outcome going back to what you were saying um you said that you know this happens very quickly in a matter of seconds so i suppose how exactly does it do it so quickly <laughs> well that's probably a better question for my co-founder Haley, um who's our chief product officer and works on the tech side um but in my non kind of tech way of explaining it um basically we have uh several ways in which we've we've created algorithms and ai that essentially um help our platform to understand bias language and communications for example that um, take out any identifying factors around someone's identity. So instead of just completely anonymizing a CV, what we'll do, what the, the platform does is create a completely fresh profile. But it can also tell from that profile whether you're likely to be male or female, what your racial and ethnic background is, up to about an 80% certainty level. Um, and of course, your age and all of that data is then fed back into your dashboard. So there's a number of different clever tools and, and ways in which we've created this. The other point to mention is that we've um, collaborated with the University of Nottingham Centre for Applied Linguistics, who've collected over about five years data on bias in, in job ads and who's more likely to apply based on what those job ads sound and read like essentially uh, and that's helped helps us to create the ai and the algorithm around the the inclusive writing tool that's that's really the first step of the process that's really cool i like what you're saying about creating that kind of fresh profile because obviously a lot of organizations nowadays anonymize cvs so they might remove somebody's 
or blank out somebody's name yeah. where, which university they went to but I suppose my experience is that hiring managers still try to read between the lines yeah um, I think there's, there's a lot that creeps in there that you don't realize um, I think when you blackline somebody's CV you're automatically looking for your brain is trying to make sense of it right um, yeah. whereas when you create a new profile and you've taken out things like you know, we even take out schools and university names because in places like the UK and the US specifically, they can have a massive impact on whether somebody's selected for an initial interview or not. And in actual fact, in many cases, it has nothing to do with whether you can do the job, right? So we yeah. very much focus on skills and strengths and experience as opposed to what colour you are, what age you are, what school you went to. And that gives everybody a fair chance. Um, you know, and I think we, we've definitely seen, you know, within the within the platform, as you said, with your experience of the BBC, that more diverse candidates then get through to the next the next stage. Yep. And then hopefully you get this ripple effect, don't you? Because if yeah. you, you know, even if even if you can just get candidates to the next stage of the process from, well, a sourcing a much more diverse range of talent in the yeah. first place getting them into further into the recruitment process closer to the job offer stage that that has a, a massive impact because then obviously the flip side of that is organizations have to start having a strategy around the culture of their organization and how they retain talent as well yeah. so it's kind of two sides to the same coin really it's you need to attract people attract diverse talent but then you need to be able to retain and progress people in the organization. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it's, you know, it's a conversation that we have a lot because obviously we focus on the kind of inclusive candidate journey and the, the DI aspect for a business at the very start of the funnel. There are so many other businesses out there that I'm sure maybe you, you know you've spoken to that focus much more on the culture aspect, on the retention, on the data around employees and even the conversations that they're having internally and all of that kind of stuff that we kind of hold hands with um, up the chain. And I think that is super important. But when a candidate applies, quite often they, you know, they take a lot away from how a job ad is written or what a website looks like and the language that's used there or whether there's an equality statement or even, to be honest, how open a business is about what it's trying to achieve. So even if they're not where they want to be as a business in terms of diversity and inclusion, at least set that out, you know, kind of say that this is this is where we are, this is where we're trying to get to, and this is how we're trying to do it. Even an, an openness around that is very attractive to, to candidates. And as we all know, it's a very, um, very competitive market out there. So anything you can do to set yourself apart on this front will make a massive difference in attracting some different talent. Absolutely. So what are some of the results that you've seen with organizations that you work with? You know, if they use your platform, what, what are they seeing in the short, medium and long term particularly? Yeah. Um, so the way in which we work with bigger organizations is to help the entire organization understand this journey. So we don't just give them the keys to the platform. We um, There's an implementation process, as we call it, which is three steps, clarify, measure and achieve. 
Because basically the people that we speak to within an organization, let's say like Cisco or KP Snacks or McCann, um, some of our clients are not those that are actually using the software. So it's really key to make sure that everybody is on board with this. Everyone understands their internal data, their goals and how unconscious bias can play into this um, if they're not using tech, as you say. Um, to take that out as far as possible. So I think that's really the kind of first step. The second step is then to broaden their minds a little bit in terms of, you know, you might have gone through your unconscious bias training, but hey, unfortunately, your job ad is still only scoring 60% um, in terms of the bias that that's still included there. And, you know, you might think that you're um, being diverse in your outreach, but actually you're still only posting to two job boards. So that kind of uh, education, I suppose. And then they're starting to see, you know, up to 70% in some cases, more diverse talent applying once they've posted that job out um, to wherever they need to post it to. And then finally, um, you know, we're a very early stage company. So we've been in the market for about six months, but we're now starting to be able to track who's being hired and how that's changing the overall diversity of businesses and their goals and their original um, benchmarks and scores. So we probably wouldn't expect to see those results for about a year. Um, we sell to businesses on a minimum yearly basis for that reason, you know, hiring and retention and so on. That data takes a while to trickle through. So that that's what we'd expect to see over the next three to six months for, for our key clients. Yeah, what I like about your process is that, first of all, you kind of take stock and get that clarity and then after that, you open up minds to kind of think about all the different possibilities or the levers that you can pull yeah. to get more talent or more diverse talent into the organization. And that's before you even start to collect and analyze data to see to see what results are being made. So it seems like a very kind of logical process to follow, which I I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a very logical person, Toby. So it, you know, yeah. it makes sense to me. Um, and you know, so far so good. I think um, you know we're seeing some great results and got some brilliant clients on board. Um, and we're just yeah. about to head into our our next funding round um, in the next couple of months to raise two million to to further our growth. Really, that's brilliant. I mean, that's a really great sort of success story for a startup organization within the diversity industry you know there's so many organizations are focusing on diversity and inclusion now and there has to be technological solutions out there because if you don't have technology to help you it, it is a hard slog and one thing that I keep saying to my clients is that we have to have an evidence-based approach to diversity and inclusion you, you can't just write a wish list yeah. and get busy doing stuff and and only to find that the stuff that you you're busy doing has no impact which a lot of organizations do I don't know if you've come across any of those oh, I completely agree and, and I think what we're always quite astounded by is you know the lack of data even in the really really big organizations that we speak to because if you're not collecting that you know there is an awful lot of GDPR, PDPA, data, legal compliance around collecting data, as we all know, and specifically around DNI data, it's hugely sensitive. So for many organizations, historically, they've just not collected it or they're simply not allowed to. Yeah. You know, that that data and legal compliance looks very different 
depending on where you are in the world. You know, even in the US, for example, where some of our clients are, it can look different from state to state. So we've built all of that into the platform, uh, which means that wherever you are in the world, you will be data and and, and legally um, compliant if you're using the platform and collecting that data. Because it's just, yeah, I think it's just such a, DNI is a relatively new industry, right? And I think if you look at any other department in a big organization, ROI is such a huge part of it. And ROI relies on accurate data and tracking and measurement and all of that sort of stuff. Up until really recently, there just hasn't been that around DNI. Um, yeah. So, how do you, as a DNI person, justify your job essentially after a year or two years if you can't track and measure where you're making progress? And to be able to yeah. track and measure, you need the data. So, it's a kind of chicken and egg thing. Um, so, yeah, I think you know, as you say, there are there are certainly businesses out there that are starting to kind of pivot into this space. And I'm sure there will be more kind of technology businesses coming up in the DNI industry. It, it, it's a market that's growing at kind of 12, 12.5% a year. Um, yeah. So it's, it's yeah, it's quite attractive for, for startups and I suppose for investors as well. What you just said, you've touched on two of the biggest frustrations that my clients say to me. One, just a lack of data in the organization or the data is fragmented. So in the UK, they probably have, well, they will have data on gender because we have to collect gender for HMRC payroll purposes. They may or may not have data around, say, ethnicity, and they they might be missing data on, say, sexuality or disability. Yeah. And even if they have data, it might not be a complete data set, and therefore it's quite small and unreliable. And then if they're an international organization, they might not be able to collect some certain data in some areas of the world and it just gets really messy so first of all data collection is a huge frustration for my clients secondly the other point that you made i think is demonstrating impact like you were talking about roi or or return on investment and i think a lot of the obviously i work mostly with like heads of hr or diversity and inclusion leaders and for them it's it's not so much about return on investment it's more about, I suppose, return on effort yeah. or, or, the impact, or the impact that they're making. Lots of organizations come to me because they get so busy, busy, busy doing stuff like running career development programs or mm. awareness days. Yeah. And then they, this, I suppose they sit, sit back and take stock and they go, why are we doing this? Like, we're just not seeing the dial shift. Yeah, what, what's it actually achieving? I think those are usually the businesses that we that we work with because, you know, you have to go through that process, I think. Number one, to get yourself in the right frame of mind, to understand what it is, to see what else is out there, to get everybody kind of on the same page with it. But I think eventually everybody gets to that point that you've just mentioned where you just kind of go, yeah, but so what? You know, what, what, what are we at? How do we know what we're achieving? What have we achieved? Have we achieved anything? We're not quite sure. And then it becomes a little bit sticky because how do you justify spending more and more and more on that if you don't know whether it's doing what you need it to do? Yeah, absolutely. So before you go, um, the question that I ask everybody when they come on this show is what does inclusive growth mean to you? 
So when I kind of moved from Hopscotch into Diversely, I joined an accelerator program um, when I was living back in Singapore uh, just before the pandemic, actually, January 2020. And they said to me, you know, what what is the thing that you want to solve? Right. What's the business problem that you're trying to solve? And for me, inclusivity really means um, opportunity for all on an equal footing. So that doesn't mean that it looks the same for everybody or that everybody should be trying to or can achieve exactly the same things, but giving people the opportunity to do so and to prove themselves, yeah. you know, on an even ground. And that's really what we've we've built with Diversely. Brilliant. And, and finally, if the person listening to us right now wants to learn more about your platform and, and what it can do for their organization, what should they do? You can head over to diversely.io, which is our website, and there's a bunch of um, free resources, a lot of information, obviously, um, free guides, downloadables, and information on the um, on the platform and how it works. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. So I'm just Helen Maguire on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Brilliant. Well, Helen, thank you ever so much for joining me today. I've really enjoyed our chat. Good luck with your funding round. Because we need we need more technological solutions like yours to you know to have a bigger impact on the world and like you say creating a level playing field for people so to 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 show their talents off so um, thank you ever so much for joining me absolutely thank you Toby and really appreciate the opportunity you're welcome and and thank you for for dialing into the um, inclusive growth show today. Yeah, I don't know if we still dial into into podcasts any anymore, but thank you know thank you for listening to Helen and I, and uh, I look forward to to seeing you on the next episode of this Inclusive Growth Show, which will be coming up shortly. Until then, take care of yourself. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Inclusive Growth Show. For further information and resources from Toby and his team, head on over to our website at milden.co.uk.